we've been going through this this story of Joseph, right? If you if you think about it, we uh, we discussed um, we discuss. I'm, I'm like flipping back in, in my Bible to see. We discussed this idea of Joseph being a little jerk, and then last week we discussed this idea of, of Joseph getting sold into slavery, right? And we build up to this point, and Joseph gets sold into slavery. And if you remember in, in Moana, when they sing this song, um, We Know the Way, which if you saw anything today on our social media, like the idea for tonight is away, away. The, song, the phrase away, away comes from the song We Know the Way. Um, if you remember in that movie, that, that song is taking place when they're sailing on these ships, and, and Bowen has realized that they're voyagers, and they're singing this song, and they're like, away, away, and they're getting really into it. But there's a line in that song that says, uh, that says, we know where we are. And what's happening in Genesis chapter 39 is Joseph is placed in another place where he knows where he is. But to be honest, it's, get ready for it, away, away from home. It's not near, um, it's not near his home. It's far away from anything he's known before. And when we start reading in chapter 39 of Genesis, if you want to go ahead and be turning there. Um, now, last week I threatened I would not allow phone Bibles this week. Uh, I see like several of you don't have your Bibles. If you want to pull out your phone Bible, go ahead and do it this week. But next week I'm for real cracking down. Um, and next week I'm going to like send out three reminders leading up like bring your Bible tonight or else like death penalty. Um, just kidding. Not, not that intense. Um, but but just to just to get excited, go ahead and be opening to Genesis chapter thirty nine. And what I want us to do is I want us to go ahead and read verse one. Don't let me get on to you guys. We're gonna read verse one of of chapter thirty nine. It says, "Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there." Now. This, this is an interesting character. We immediately meet this character of Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was an interesting fella. Um, he, he was not, you know, a lot of times you picture him as like strapping dude, um, really awesome looking. Uh, for some reason, I always picture Potiphar to be bald. Uh, it's this weird like imagery that, that I sort of get with the idea of Potiphar. But Potiphar was a very important individual in the court of Pharaoh at this time, to the point of Pharaohs at this time when they died, um, and many of you probably know this, uh, would go and they would have this huge burial ceremony. They would, they would go in these uh, massive um, uh, pyramids. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling. Uh, but they would go and they would be buried in these massive pyramids. Well, according to the Egyptians, the pharaohs could not go into death alone. So the people who would be on the court, the captain of the guard, the people who would be right there next to Pharaoh, the closest allies, like Potiphar in this story, would then have to go with Pharaoh and be buried with him. So they would go and they would escort Pharaoh into this tomb where they would sit there and die with Pharaoh and escort him into the afterlife. So he had an intense job. This is what was expected of a person in Potiphar's position. Um, and then another thing that we notice, though, is that in Genesis 39, it clarifies that he's an Egyptian. Well, you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, 
okay. Um, yes, he's an Egyptian. They're in Egypt. Now, I don't want to get like too historical here, but I think it's a pretty interesting thing that sets up the background of this story. If we kept on reading in this verse, so verse 1 through 5, in the first five verses of this, we would see that it mentions that he's an Egyptian three times. It mentions it in verse 1, and mentions it in verse 2, and it mentions it in verse 5. That, that there is, that, that Potiphar's an Egyptian. And so you might be sitting there thinking, well, duh, he's obviously an Egyptian, so what's the big deal? Here's the thing. Because Potiphar was an Egyptian, Moses wanted us to know that. Moses was like, hey, just to let you guys know, and you got to remember, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, that he wanted us to know that Potiphar was an Egyptian. And it all makes sense. It'll make sense in a second. And it was because of the Hyksos. They came in and invaded Egypt in 1800 BC. Now, the thing about them was they had advanced weapons. They were more advanced than the Egyptians. They were, they were higher up. They were smarter. They had chariots. They had the weapons that, of mass destruction um, for 1800 BC. Uh, and they came in and they were also thought to be, they were closely related to like what the Hebrews would have spoken. So they spoke a similar language to the Hebrews at this time. Um, a lot of people think that they would have been descendants of Esau or, or Edomites at one point. Um, the only difference in like the language that they spoke, you know how like when you look at like Americans and Canadians and Australians and British people and Scottish people, how like it's all English and like you can understand it all, but it's like different, right? So my uncle can come in here from Canada and he can give us a lesson and we understand everything he says except he'll say about instead of about. And it's like a noticeable difference, but like yet you understand what he's talking about. This is what the Hyksos were in relation to people like Joseph. These Hebrew people and, and who they were in the language that they spoke, but they came in and they took over Egypt. Well, when you take over a country, like I said, it's very historical. When you take over a country, uh, you obviously like take over all the inhabitants as well. So what these people did was, you know, they would say, you know what, um, we are going to keep around some of these Egyptian guards, and these Egyptian guards would then be people who would who would govern over their own Egyptians. So they would sit there and and and. They were all fine and dandy, and if they had their fellow Egyptian brother tell them to do something, it was better than if you had a foreign person tell you to do something. Now, this was probably the reason, and we're kind of going to jump ahead of ourselves, just because I think this is really neat. This is probably the reason that Joseph was able to rise to power so quickly, because he spoke the same language as the people that were in charge, as the Egyptians at this time. This is also probably the reason that when Joseph is going to bring his whole family, don't worry, we'll get there in a couple weeks. I know, spoiler alert, but this story's been around for years. Um, so <laughs> you have no excuses. Um, <laughs> but when Joseph brings his family in to town, they're so willing to say, hey, here's a, some prime land for you. You guys are awesome, and you speak our language. We can relate to you. Now, in 1500 BC, the actual Egyptians came swooping back in and took over North Egypt again. And this is documented very clearly in Exodus 1 chapter 8, or Exodus chapter 1 verse 8, when it says, Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. That would have been around the time, um, around two or three hundred years later, when the slavery would have began 
and a new king, the Egyptians, came back and took over. So it would have been a whole new atmosphere. And so suddenly, when we look at this whole situation, we see Potiphar, an actual Egyptian, in charge of a bunch of Egyptian people who are like fake Egyptians, but also the real Egyptians as well. And we kind of get more of an image of what's taking place. And Joseph is brought to this kingdom that is not full-out Egyptian. It's like a faux-Egyptian culture at this point. And he has this Egyptian officer, though, somebody who was an officer that was going to be buried with Pharaoh when he died, buried alive with Pharaoh. And he says, you know what? That dude's pretty cool. He seems pretty great. Let's buy him as a slave. And so Potiphar buys Pharaoh, and then we get to verse 2. Let's keep going. I know that was a lot to break down from verse 1, but it says, The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his, the, his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and attended him, and made him overseer of his house, and put him in charge of all, all that he had. From the time he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was in all that he had in the house and in the field. And I want us to stop there. <clears throat> Something that it says in this that stands out to me, that, that I, that like, uh, it was actually a couple of years ago I read it and it hit me for the first time. And as I was getting ready for this class, I couldn't help but go back to it. Is that it just says that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, this is something that is like expected, right? Well, obviously, the Lord is with Joseph. He's a person who is, who is with God. He's all these different things. Everything's fine and dandy. Of course, it says the Lord is with Joseph. But the thing that I think is super interesting um, is, is that it says that he was building up his reputation. But the reason his reputation was building was not because of how great Joseph was. If you notice, it, it brings up multiple times that, that his master saw that the Lord was with him. And this is the reason that Potiphar stood up, stands up and kind of be, realizes like, hey, this guy has something special about him. This guy is able to make the next move. He's able to be the superstar in my house. And so here's Joseph. And he was in this awful situation, but suddenly he's placed in this almost epically perfect situation. He goes from being a slave to he's still a slave, but he's in charge of someone's house and he has the Lord with him. I'm going to go back to the story of Moana for a minute. If you remember Moana, there she was, a little baby girl. Oh, look. Also, I noticed this today, not to be like creepy. Her mouth is the same. So like it's definitely like Moana as a kid. Her mouth is like the same then as it is when she gets older. It's like blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> they even got that detail right. Super cool. Um, but the ocean chose her. Remember? It kind of showed her the ocean part of where she was like, ooh, and she walked into the ocean some. And later on in the movie, when whenever Maui would knock her out of the boat, the ocean would put her right back in, and Maui just got irritated and, and angry at the whole situation. Um, and, and, and Moana's sitting there, and it's like the ocean chose her. And she was benefiting from someone other than herself being in charge. Because let's be honest, in this situation, the ocean was vastly in charge. And here's Joseph, a guy who, who was originally in a tough situation, like Moana, her nation's dying, and her island's dying. And he is promoted 
because God is with him. Like Moana chose the ocean. See, you guys thought that I couldn't relate. Moana, Moana to Joseph. There it is. Um, but suddenly this tough situation that Joseph was in becomes a great situation. And I want to ask, have you ever been put in an absolutely amazing situation? Have you ever been placed and you're like, <laughs> I'm in the best situation I can possibly be in? Maybe you became a starter on the varsity sports team and like, like, get out of here, JV. I'm in charge of all these little children now. Maybe maybe in your band, you're the head honcho. You're the person who's in charge. You're the, the lead instrument, um, the, the person who, who plays the lead in all the parts. Maybe you're, you're trying out for a play, and you got that part in the play. Like, like you tried out for the specific role, and, and you walk in, and you nail the audition, and you walk out, and, like, you're the superstar. It's like... Like the young children after your school play are going to be asking you to sign autographs because you're just that awesome. Or maybe you happen to land the hottest guy or girl in school and you're dating them. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're put in that good of a situation. Um, but what do we think caused God to be with Joseph? See, because Joseph was put in a great situation here. It was an amazing situation, right? He was the head honcho of this house. I think that's the second time I've used that phrase tonight. Um, but he's in charge of this house. And, and what the statement I'm about to say is obvious, but I can say with certainty that God didn't choose Joseph because Joseph was a nice guy or because Joseph went against the commands of the Lord. And you're like, duh. That's a common sense statement to say. That makes sense. You didn't have to say that out loud. But, but here's Joseph, and he says, okay, the Lord is with me now. And it's not because Joseph was simply being a nice guy, and it's not because he was being a jerk and someone who is ungodly. And I think the answer to this question of why was God with Joseph is answered with Potiphar. Because how did Potiphar see that the Lord was with Joseph? See, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. In the same way that people are going to see that God is with us. Potiphar saw that God was with Joseph in the same way that other people are going to see that God was with us. Because Joseph, and we talked about this a few Sunday mornings ago, like a month and a half or two months ago, that, that we talked about Elijah being just a guy. Joseph was just a guy. Joseph was literally like, if you could have put him in the entire scheme of the world, take out the fact he went to Egypt, take out the fact that he became the head guy in Egypt or the head guy in Potiphar's house, or that he had a coat of many colors, Joseph was just a dude. He was just a human being man that was no different than any of us. And God says, you know what, I'm going to be with you in the same way that I was with Joseph back then. There is no difference. But there's going to be a process. We have to ask the question, are we going to decide to serve our God to a point where he is going to be with us? Are we going to serve our God to a point where we know our God is going to be with us? See, Joseph was in tougher, a tougher situation than I'd say a lot of us have gone through. A tougher situation because he was sold into slavery and sent into a foreign country but he stayed strong through the process and because of that he had God on his side and guys do people notice that God is with us do people notice that God 
is with us. When is the last time somebody looked at you and, and the reaction to you was not that guy is funny or that, that girl is attractive or, or that girl uh, has the best stories or, or, or that person's a genius. When is the last time somebody looked at you and said, man, I can tell God is with them. I can tell that, that they are a Christian. I can tell that, that, that God is, is, is on their side in everything based on the way they just live their life. See, we can sit here and read these stories about Jesus. We can go into the Gospels. We can study the Scriptures. We can be here on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning or on a Sunday night. We can do all these things, and that's great and that's wonderful. But when is the last time we sat back and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to apply these things to my life so that when people look at me, they can tell that God is with me. Because that's how I want people to see me. I want people to look at me and say, you know what? I can tell Jesus is on their side. And one of the coolest parts about this whole thing is that when we decide that we're going to put God above everything else in our lives, we decide that, that we are going to be like Joseph and, and say, forget all this other stuff. I'm with you, God. And we decide to let him reflect in our lives. It doesn't just bless us. Because what's it say from that time, verse 5, he made him an overseer in his house. Um, and, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. For the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. When we are going to reflect God in our lives, it blesses the people around us. The entirety of the Potiphar's house was blessed because Joseph had God with him. When God is with you, the toughest things get a little bit easier. And then we read on in verse 6. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. That's great. That's awesome. Joseph, head dude. Then it ends verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It's like, oh, not only is Joseph the head guy in this house, he's the head slave, a little bit powerful for a slave. He's also smoking hot. He's a super hottie. And, and so here he is. Um, Joseph is a good-looking guy. Then we get to verse 7. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. Remember, he's hot. And said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of, my master, because, my mas because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Joseph, for a slave at this point, has it all. He literally has everything you could ever want, including great looks. But then it says Potiphar cast her eye on Joseph. Potiphar's wife cast her eye on Joseph. And suddenly this amazing position that Joseph was in turned into a situation where he was going to have a little bit of trouble. Suddenly he is getting bombarded with an epic temptation. 
It says that every single day, day after day, Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph and, and, and berates him, begging him to sleep with her, begging him, begging him to, to come to her, and he declined every single day. He was not given the opportunity once, but over and over again, and he declined every single time because of the respect of the ones that were over him and the respect for his God. It even says in verse 10 that he says he would not even listen to her anymore. He had decided that this was not going to be a sin that he was going to fall into. And as I go through this story, the question that comes to my head is how often am I put in an amazing situation and the second I am tempted to sin, I just go ahead and give in. How often are we hanging out with the most popular crowd there is and they use language that like isn't appropriate and you want to fit in so you just use it anyways? How often are you with the sports team and you have a practice or a game uh, on a day when you have a service and you're like, you know what, forget that, I'm just going to stick with this because I can't let the team down? How often do we have a big show coming up and like there's, there's the show practice or a time to worship and you're like, hmm. Man, I, I'm gonna have to choose the time of worship or the time to like practice my show, or, or maybe you just practiced your band show for eight hours in the hot summer sun, and it was on a Wednesday, and that night you're just not feeling it. Maybe it's 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 like you're playing video games online with like your your favorite game there is, and like the person who you're sitting there talking with, like throws a joke out there, which is hilarious. You're like, I just gotta chime in with this awesomely hilarious and appropriate joke I heard the other day. Maybe you landed that super attractive significant other and they're acting a little bit like Potiphar's wife. Whatever it is, it's very dangerous and it's very tempting and it's incredibly easy to fall off the edge. And every bit of us is going to want us to join in with them. We're going to have to be ready to take a step back, refuse to listen, and stand strong. We have to be ready for the trials and know how to reject him because those trials aren't going to just be once. Just like Potiphar's wife said day after day, the temptation is going to be every single day over and over again. And we're going to have to stand strong every single time. We'll have to put our foot down and say, the Lord is my God, and I will serve him only. But eventually, if the temptation is too strong, we have to get out. Um, I, I put up this picture of like this guy walking across the tightrope. Uh, tight this guy is flirting with falling to his death. Um, if you've been to Niagara Falls, you know that it's like deathly. Like people could, if you fell in, you'd, you'd be dead. Um, <laughs> there's no way around it. Uh, yet, and we've had this question of are we going to, to walk that tightrope every single day? Joseph looked at it and refused. He wouldn't listen to her. He wouldn't talk to her. He wouldn't lie next to her or be with her. And he said that he was not going to do it. And we have to do the exact same thing. I want us to go on to 11 and 12. But one day, and I know you guys know this story. I know you guys know this story, but I want, I want to just read it. It says, but one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were in the house. All right, so they were alone. 
She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Joseph was put in a point of top temptation. You want to talk about a guy who is in like the toughest position of his life. There he is at his young age, and he's alone in a house with a woman who wants him. You want to talk about a difficult thing to do. You want to talk about an easy time to give in. But Joseph said no, and he bolted out of there. His goal was to make sure that that situation would not become a problem. He was not going to sit there and allow sin to creep into his life. And when we're faced with a sin like that, when it's in our face and it's the only option that we have, it's time to get out. It's time to run for the hills. It's time to leave as quickly as possible. Remember, I've written this earlier. In this song, um, he's singing like, away, away. And once again, it's time for us to get away, away from sin. Are we at an event, and I know you guys are going to roll, like, roll your eyes at this, but are we at an event and the alcohol or weed comes out, get out as quickly as possible. When people start gossiping, get up and leave. When people start telling dirty jokes and you know it'll be funny, leave. When something pops up on social media that, that, that's a girl showing off a little bit too much of herself, guys, close the app as quickly as possible. And girls, when it's something that pops up on social media that, that, that maybe causes you to want to immediately tell your friends and immediately gossip about it or, or immediately compare yourself, get out of the app as quickly as possible. And I know you're probably looking at me and you're like, man, I've heard this lesson a thousand times. I've heard this idea. But the thing is that I want us to understand is when we look at this situation and we, we look at how Joseph handled a time like this, I can say that Moses wouldn't have written it in Genesis. It wouldn't have been inspired for Moses to write it in Genesis if it wasn't a big deal. Because the tiniest peak, the tiniest sip, the tiniest anything can cause a downfall that is a bigger downfall than just a few years of our life. When we look at Joseph, his goal is to get out of there. There was an instance in my life, and, and we don't have a ton of time, so I'm going to be quick. Um, I, my cousins and I, this is when I was in high school, early high school, I was probably a freshman, and, uh, and my cousins and I decided we were going to go camping. My aunt lived um, about a half a mile off the lake, down through the woods, and down a massive hill. It was Center Hill, if any of you have ever been there, it's like this, to get down to the lake. We're like, you know what, let's go camp by the lake for the night. So we started out on the journey, um, and immediately we started losing cousins. There were six of us. Uh, one of them stepped in a hornet's nest, got stung a bunch of times. He was out. So, uh, so he went back to the house, and we we're like, ah, oh, there's still five of us. We can thin things off. So we continued on on this journey to go camping. And there we were, going down through some woods. We had machetes, and we were hacking our way through brush, and it was awesome. And we start hearing these noises all around us. And we're like, God, who cares? Keep on going. And we continue to hack away at the stuff. And then my cousin, who's right in front of me at this point, and I'm right behind him, probably about a foot behind him, slashes through a tree, and there, staring us in the face, was this creature doing this exact thing. Looking us in the eye, with his tongue flickering out and his tail rattling away, two feet from where we're standing, and that our next step would have been into the jaws of this very deathly creature. And I'm not going to lie, my voice hit an octave that I had never hit before, and I turned around and ran as fast as I could. Because I was not about to deal 
with this guy right here. Because in that moment, I knew that there was a creature right in front of me who could hurt me a lot if I would have gotten any closer to him without shooting him, and I didn't have a gun with me because I was underage. Um, <laughs> but, but I couldn't do anything at that moment, so I turned around and got out of the situation as quickly as I could. There's nothing that can hurt us more than sin. So when we're faced with it, it's time to turn around and run. It's time to turn around and get away from the sin as fast as we can. Verse 13 through 18 has Potiphar's wife calling out to her husband and saying, Hey, by the way, Joseph just did this and like he tried to he tried to assault me and he he tried to to get at me and, and he's evil and Potiphar sends him to prison and he rots in prison. Um, all these things take place. There are gonna be times when we do something for Christ and people are gonna look at us and say untrue and hateful things about us. They're not going to approve of what we do. They're going to talk dirty about us. They're going to sneer. They're going to laugh. And they're going to lie about who we are and our intentions for thinking a way we think. And our biggest problem that we have as Christians today is that we care about those things. That we care that people disapprove of who we are as Christians. Because of the lie that Potiphar's wife tells him, Joseph is tossed in this prison. And there are going to be times when we are unjustly tossed in prison. Those times when we're sitting there and because of our Christianity, we don't have friends. Those times when we sit there and we feel alone. Our times when we're getting mocked for things that, that we're like, man, literally just studied that the other day and we're still getting mocked for. Our times when we have to reject the current pleasure or, or we have to be looked at as the weirdo who doesn't, who, who is just that oddball. But there's something special about it. And it's happening because if we follow God, he'll be with us. In verse 23, it says, The keeper of the prison paid no, no attention to anything. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Let's go with this. In verse 21 says, The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. I'm not going to give a 100% guarantee here. But when I read this story, I can imagine that if Joseph had given in to that temptation, if Joseph had, had allowed Potiphar's wife to take hold of his emotions, if Joseph had not run for his life, I bet you verse 21 wouldn't be in this story. I bet you the Lord wouldn't have been with Joseph while he was in prison because Joseph would have turned his back on the Lord. Yet Joseph sticks with God. And he was granted love. And there's that reward if we resist temptation. There's that reward that stands stronger than anything else, that's stronger than anything on this earth that's going to last an eternity. Let's go ahead and stand up um, and, and grab a hand and, and say a prayer.